Unturned is presented by Update AI. Hey, CSNBS listeners, Josh here. I want to tell you about a cool new feature that we're playing around with. It's called SpeakPipe, and you can find the details in the show notes. What it allows us to do is receive voice messages directly from you. What you want to send us, I don't know. Maybe you have recommendations for an upcoming episode. Maybe you have questions about something that Christy said. Maybe you want to share with us a question that you want to answer or give your own opinion. We'd love to hear from you. There's three or four defined methodologies for sales. We don't have that for customer success. We don't have like, here's exactly what this role does. Here's the methodology on how to do this. We, we're trying, we're working on it, but we don't have the, like, yeah, we don't have the, this is what the post-sale journey is always going to look like. We definitely can tell you this sales journey is always going to look like uh, at every organization. Um, you know, it's going to fall into one of three or five cap, you know, uh, buckets, but that's not the case with customer success. So you do still have to take that more hands-on bespoke approach. And there's certain things you can keep in mind and questions you can ask that are going to go across every CS organization, but it's not as easy as just, here's a guide, go do it. Welcome to this edition of the Unturned CS Insider Mashup, a roundtable discussion that goes deep into the recent trends in customer success. Introducing your hosts, Christy Feltarusso, John Johnson, Mickey Powell, and Josh Schachter. Cheers, not a sport. Cheers, not a sport. <laughs> hey, listen, you're talking oh, to two cheerleaders here. I got a varsity here. letter. Oh I got a varsity got, letter for cheering. Okay, so you better back up, Mickey. I got a varsity letter in golf. And I That's not a real sport. Is. Yeah, cheering is more of a sport any, than golf. Do we have any bowlers? Do we have any bowlers? No, Christy, no. did you miss that I also have a varsity letter in cheering? No, so I was really going to allow you to explain that to me. So, were you a cheerleader? I was a cheerleader. You were. Can hey you, guys, welcome to the podcast. Wait, <laughs> wait no, 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 really, stop for a second. Yeah. Were you a cheerleader? I was. Intense. Okay, grade. I'm going to need receipts. So, I if you could pictures, just send me some I got photos, my letter on I'm going to need some photos. Jacket. The only reason. <gasps> I the, thought I couldn't love you more. Yeah, my mom. And this I can. Is the story. My Go mom on, was the it. coach. Oh. Uh, and my <laughs> sister was the head cheerleader. I went to a very small private school. Um, uh-huh. And I had did a year, believe it or not, as the mascot. I don't think that's a hard stretch. No, the mascot, I can definitely. That's a vibe yeah. for you. I'm into it. Okay. So my mom. As a mascot? What was that? Can you letter as a mascot? Do you get a varsity letter as a mascot? I, I didn't. Um, no, I don't I think people do. I, I, no, no, you shouldn't. It's not. No, <laughs> you're just like. I'm not of this. Not like everybody. everyone gets a trophy. I'm not. I'm not for that. So like, sorry, but earned, like not given. Are like the great mascots will be like the great villain, right? Like everyone yeah. will just beat on them. Maybe. Yeah. Like show Maybe. up and just push them. Like yeah. they're the ones. It that depends. Let's just give it. A, it's a depends. Where's my it's depends hat? Anyway, your hat. All right. But so my mom came to me one summer and was like, John. He, they call me JJ. I was JJ in high school, just so y'all know. John Johnson. Okay. JJ. Um, and they're like, hey, we got the, this cheer camp coming up, and we want to do these new stunts that makes the girls fly in the air, and we need some dudes. And I was like, I'm never going to be a cheerleader. And my mom said the magic words, a thousand cheerleaders <laughs> in in this same place. And I said, mother, you know me well. <laughs> why, um, why was that the magic words, John? Because I really liked cheerleaders at the time. Uh, and I had a crush on uh, Caitlin Jarvis. Shout out to Kate. Um, still friends. I'm assuming she knows. I, I was like, I'm assuming yeah, she knows. Just, it's oh, a man. stranger is, from high school who's just no, 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 not a stranger. Podcast. Yeah. Very, very, very. Uh, Shout out! I well watched known. you walk into your house last week. Hey, I took her to homecoming <laughs> my senior year, so life goes life goes on, right? But no, so yeah, it was literally great. like, come hang out with us for a week at this cheer camp. A thousand cheerleaders, and there's like five dudes. 
Um, and it was uh, the most effort and work that I ever put into um, anything, like anything, any type of attention from the ladies. More than learning an instrument, more than touring, everything combined. Uh, it was, I mean, I have so much respect for the work that goes into like people that actually cheer. Like, I mean, like, like legit. We did some really rad stunts. I dropped a few girls on their heads. Like it was a great all around experience for me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I got a lot of hate. I went to a very small private Christian school and they gave, they called me all of the names and they made fun of me relentlessly. And every single time that we left the game and that the boys got in the school bus and I got in the, the very nice van with all the cheerleader girls, I just laughed a little bit. You know, I just was like, you guys are making fun of me, calling me all these names and I'm hanging out with the girls. Like what? You're like, you're getting on a bus with dudes and I'm going in this luxurious van with all these ladies. So see you later. And and I'm just going to be there hanging out all the time. It's great. And I'm still great friends with all of them. I'll let your girlfriend know that you're thinking of her. Okay, bye. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) While I'm fixing her hair, you know, foot massage in the back of the van. As we're rubbing each other's shoulders. Yep. uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pillow fights. You know, the whole thing. It was great. Um, Why are we here? Ladies and gentlemen, Josh, for a brief moment... For a brief moment, I forgot that we are recording a business podcast, and I started thinking about Caitlin Jarvis and Tiffany Davis and Chantel and all them. Uh, Guys, I'm John Johnson. Uh, Josh Schachter is not here today, and we miss him dearly. Um, So I'm taking the MC role. Um, I'm Principal Customer Success Manager at User Testing. I'm also Frog Voice uh, today. I had a weekend full of music and singing. So, Christy, please... Next. Well, I think you you sound lovely and I love your new haircut. You look fresh. Um, Anyway, thrilled to be back here. Christy Falteruso, Chief Customer Officer at Client Success. Um, Where do I usually go with this? I don't want to spend like 20 minutes. (laughs) Anyway, so well done. I spent the past, I know, I know, I know. I spent a long weekend. I spent the past 12 years in customer success, building, scaling, and transforming customer success teams and B2B hyper growth companies. I am thrilled to be here today. Thrilled to have our guest, Eric, but Mickey, I'll pass it over to you. Hey, Mickey Powell here. I'm your representative from Update. AI because somebody's got to do it since we're paying for it. So, yeah. uh, but I have spent the last 10 years in customer success and I will be chief customer officer before long. Uh, but right now I'm head of go to market and I'm your local AI enthusiast. So when the AI overlords come, you can come to me and I will happily convince them not to take you to the human dungeons, whatever those things are. <laughs> whatever happened, whatever the AI decides. <laughs> I had a real well, visual now about what's happening with AI and it got dark. Yeah, yeah by the way, did you guys read this New York Times article this weekend? I did. There was like the, the anecdote about how uh, Elon Musk got all freaked out because he didn't think that the AI uh, robots would follow him to Mars. Yeah. And now he's worried about this. It's yep, like an now existential... It's a <laughs> yeah, but like... I was I wish I was so brilliant that these were the things I was worried about. I'm like, how many brilliant? presents do I have to wrap this weekend? No, I don't, I don't I, know. I'm worried about trying know. to like tie bows out of ribbon that doesn't have wire in it. Like I have very different priorities right now. Yeah. It's a thin line well, yeah, between we, brilliance well, and insanity. Hey guys. Hey guys. It could be a horseshoe too. Yeah. Know? Who's For this sure. who's this other guy talking? Well, he was the one that started I, the chitty chitty chat yeah, chat, Johns, yeah, before you yelled at us. All right, we, Eric. I'm yelling at our, yes. our guest this time. Eric, Eric Kingsbury, yes. the man, the myth, the legend. He has, he has bona fides that go a, for miles on LinkedIn. I am a famous derailer. Uh, so <laughs> just be prepared. Famously for that. known. Yeah. That's, uh, that's good. Name, yeah. 
My name's Eric Kingsbury. I uh, currently run a consulting firm called Retain Solutions that's focused on customer success enablement. I've been in customer success for nine years. I've been in customer success enablement for seven and a half years. Uh, and what I currently do is I work with companies uh, anywhere from late Series A to Series D to help them build out their customer success enablement programs and to properly scope their customer success roles so that folks actually have a job that they're not only trained in, but that they can actually thrive and succeed in. Hold on. I believe in being underprepared and super miserable at work. So why? (laughs) Don't hire it. Why I mean, it's all we know. I, uh, I know. Yeah. Well, Obviously, you we got demoted this week. So, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> so why would and I you work with you, can only get demoted if you're underprepared. See, so, Eric, I don't know what you're trying to fix here. It seems like we're all doing just fine. Yeah, we're doing, <laughs> yeah, we're doing great. Isn't it supposed to be chaos? <laughs> oh, it's, to, it's supposed to be total chaos all the time. You're never supposed to know uh, what the role is, actually is or what your responsibilities are. Check. And you should definitely never have any training for right. that. You should just specialized either, training. Yeah, exactly. Only you general. You should be able to just, just figure it out. This uh, is what QBR or, stands for. Or stop doing it. Go you for know? it. Yeah. Third check, three strikes, yeah. you're out. Okay. <laughs> so, Eric, uh, we, we've had a few consultants um, on yeah. this podcast. And um, in the background, we're actually planning like a battle royale. So just so that you know, yeah. we will be oh, getting be all fun. of the consultants together. Uh, for some sort of cage match, whether there's like 15 of us, so we all know so each many. other, it'll be yeah. so much fun. Yeah. John, treat it like you're on tour. Be like, Eric, you're you are the best consultant, but you say that to every consultant every that comes on. City. Yeah. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> you, Eric, I'm already having more fun than all the other. Consultants then we should combined. be. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you. One thing that I love about what you do is you do have a specialized approach. I know that a lot of folks kind of have some specialized approaches, right? So they're either GTMs or you know, early stage, late stage. You go all the way up to D. I feel like after D, they're, you're either going to get acquired by PE or you're doing the wrong thing. Um, well, God willing, after at D, you actually have hired somebody in-house to do this. And right. if you haven't, there's That's why you're there. other <laughs> issues. Yeah. <laughs> so walk me through the path that you took to enablement. Why yeah. is that the focus that you have today? Um, is there a story? Is there, I don't know, some anecdotes that you can kind of tell us about what brought you from where you came from um, yeah. into focusing and identifying this as a problem? So there was a part of me that always thought I was going to be a teacher. Like I genuinely, my goal, I was going to be a public school teacher. I moved to San Francisco. I, I mean, I, I grew up in the Bay Area, but I moved to San Francisco. I saw the cost of living. I saw how much public school teachers got paid. <laughs> And I realized that that wasn't nope. going to work. The uh, math wasn't so, mathing. I get it. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. Yeah. I was it's like, I guess I could be a lawyer. Uh, and I, you know, <laughs> went to go take the LSAT. I, was like, I don't know that I like that either. Um, so I ended up falling into tech, uh, as so many do. And I actually originally was doing implementation. And I was doing implementation at this company called Zenefits, which is, uh, it's it's notorious Oh, um, how so? Tell me, have you been, Eric. <laughs> have you been to the 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 hallway, the stairwell? At the stairwell. I I know everything. So I actually know the real backstory to all of this. Okay, uh, wait. Do we get wait, 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 Do we get the real wait? Do we get the real backstory? I can't tell you the real backstory. I've been sworn to secrecy. Maybe after we're done recording, look, I can I'm just saying the real story. Like the stories that, uh, that Zenefits cut him off. 
Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, there was a leak. I'm telling you that that those the stories from Zenefits okay. are notorious. It, hold it on, was bananas. Yeah. Uh, just so that everybody knows, in what 2016 was it? 2016 or 2017? Um, 2016 was what? It, well, 2015 and 2016 was sort of the continuous implosion. Well, yeah. There was a New York Times article that came out in 2016 that oh, no. identified like. I mean, we're talking employees hooking up in stairwells, um, like all kinds of like very, very uh, no-nos within software. And it and it kind of, if I was a part of tech in 2016, like it really became this like all tech is bad. We're all bros. We're all like there's this stereotype that I think the media played heavily into that wasn't necessarily driven by Zenefits. But I think a lot of the things where it's like, you mean salespeople are like banging the stairwells? Like of the office building and bosses are like high-fiving it. And it's like a thing, right? Like, Oh, that's just tech. It's not just so that everyone well, No, it's not. But like, we got to the point where every time they would come, every time the sales organization would come back from president's club, oh, there would be an, there would be an announcement that somebody a manager was or director had been fired Yeah, because yeah. there was like a fist fight. Literally, yeah. there was like a fist fight. On like the Steve bus punched Mark. Uh, we don't know what they to were, do here. So they're both they were, gone. They were banned from some place in Vegas, which yep. like is hard. You getting banned from like a pool in Vegas takes effort, and but it was successful. So we, I started an implementation, and I just immediately took to it, and I figured out like a system for how I should do it. Um, and I was like, I must be doing this wrong. I have to be doing this wrong because everybody else is struggling, and I'm like nailing this. And I went and sat down with the managers, and they're like, no, I think you just like have a system. Would you be willing to train this? Mm-hmm. And sort of that was the beginning of my transition into enablement was I started getting sent to Arizona to go train folks at Zenefits. Um, I would sit and mentor them and really move them through the, the path on how to be able to do their job. And when Zenefits had one of its uh, you know myriad uh, layoffs, they also did this thing where they gave everybody buyout if you didn't want to be at the company any longer and i took the buyout they called yeah. it the offer in all quotes capitalized capital t capital o uh, and i went on to a company called anaplan which was where i first got yeah. my like, formal mm-hmm. yeah i got my formal start in enablement uh, and did that for two and a half years absolutely loved it like traveled the world doing uh like a thousand hours of live training and then I, uh, from there, went on to a company called Heap, where I actually built, you know, the entire customer success program from scratch. Um, and I worked with Carly Agar, which I think a lot of people now recognize. She's gone on to be insanely famous in the customer success world. Yeah. So, and admittedly, Eric, um, you were at Heap. I'm actually scanning through your LinkedIn when they opted not to continue conversations with my interview cycle on the CS order. So you and I oh. are going to fight. Oh, wow. Well, I will tell you. It no, was my so second, go ahead. Go ahead. Go it ahead. was my second or third time applying to Heap that I actually got the interview. Yeah. And it is, it was an insane interview loop. I think it was like seven or eight people. Yeah. And you would, all of them were over Zoom. And it was, the most bizarre, like you would just, one of them was in the back of somebody's car on the way to like a ski resort. <laughs> and another one was, Were you? Ha- did you have to be in the car too? Yeah, I it's wish. like, it's like, it's like the taxi quiz show. But I was getting peppered with all these questions from people in like all sorts of different places. 
Um, and you're like, one person's like in what looks like a bathroom, another person's in a moving car. You're trying to get a vibe for everybody's personality. And you're doing this like seven, eight, nine times. I had to meet with the CEO and co-founder. I was interviewing at Heap and Pendo at the same time. And if you don't know, they were at the same time very direct competitors. They've moved a little bit up market each. Um, but it was, a, it was a really fun interview cycle to go back and forth between two competitors um, and then get rejected by both of them. We're not talking about yeah. uh, the pandemic 2020. In, here. We're in, in their defense, they had other JJs on staff. Yeah. And I think the, the email was gone. Yeah. We couldn't create couldn't an do alias. It. Couldn't do it. So then from there, we so you went... Oh, I might be getting ahead of myself. Uh, you wanted to move works, but after that is is what's really interesting. So give us like yeah. a little bit of the the vibe on on move works. So I was at MoveWorks, uh, AI company. Um, interesting time. It's right when ChatGPT came out. Um, they did a you know fifteen twenty percent reduction in force, and you know I was one of them. But I was already at this point where I had started to think about. It. As soon as I went to MoveWorks, I realized. I've seen the same problems at every single company I go to. As soon as I go there, the first thing I have to do is build out their product launch process because they just don't have one to be able to communicate product uh, updates or uh, or new products to their post-sale organization. They have something for pre-sale sometimes, but post-sale, I'd, have, I'd see CS is finding out about these new features as soon as they go live. They're live. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're in product. Oh, what's this do? <laughs> Yeah. And customers are like, hey, what is this? What's going on with this? What's a use case for this? Should I be using this? And they're frantic and they have no idea. The other thing I was finding was that there just was no onboarding. Like customer success, more often than not, is getting, they're either getting something that's left over from sales or sales enablement, or they're getting nothing at all. And I started to think if there, if, if, if these same problems exist everywhere, why isn't there someone who is focused on how to do this well? at the same place and turn it into this repeatable process. But that's where I really started to think about getting into consulting and really the idea for retaining solutions came in. And I actually, I remember calling Carly and Carly was like three months or two or three months into her consulting business. And uh, I was like, how's it going? And she's like, it's unbelievable. I don't know why everyone isn't doing this. This is the best thing ever. Um, and she's, she's like, why aren't you doing this? She goes, she said, every company I talk to has the same problem, which is they don't, you know, they can find people, but when they find people, people aren't always consistently good. And I was like, the reason they're not good is because you're not actually offering them any support whatsoever. Like you might be able to find someone who could be good, but you're not offering them any support. You're not molding them. You're not developing them. And then you're getting upset when they're not able to do the job. And a lot of times it's because you haven't really thought about what the job should even be to begin with or what different segments should exist. Um, what sort of specialization should exist within your customer success org. You're like, customer success is the be-all, end-all. It's the solution to all of my problems. I'm just going to find someone, I'm going to plug them in, and they're going to be able to fill all the gaps and just address all the issues. It's like, well, no, that's not really how this should work. You're just going to make everything, you're going to make everyone miserable. You're setting them up for failure. Customers are going to be upset. It's just, it's causing all sorts of downstream problems. And so that's where I really decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I was already starting to sort of plan it out before everything went, you know, before MoveWorks did their layoff. And so I decided in February of this year that I was going to start my own thing. And it's been so awesome and rewarding because there is just a gap when it comes to enablement for post-sales. You just don't hear anybody talk about it. Um, there haven't been any real uh, methodologies that have been built out. You know, sales enablement, there are books 
Uh, you know, you can go to a bookstore and pull a book off a shelf and you can read it and you can implement it and you'll get yourself like 80 or 85% of the way there. You know, you, st- you still need a good, a good sales enablement person to get you the rest of the way and actually, you know, run through these things. But we don't have that for customer success. You know, we, we, we like haven't thought about what is the best way to train somebody on this? What are the things you actually need to know? What are the things you actually need to know to do? Um, what sort of industry knowledge do you really need? What is essential for a role? Um, and so that's what I've really been working on. And I've gotten the opportunity to obviously speak on some amazing podcasts, um, write some really great things. I've been able to mentor people in the field that started some small organizations to bring people in that are working on post-sales enablement to really give them an idea of what it takes and then work with some companies and actually give them some guidance on what they should be doing to set their CS organization up for success. It's awesome. Did someone say ChatGPT for customer success for free? Update.ai has you covered. CSMs get automated summaries of every customer call. That's real time savings that adds up. There's no bot and Update even works alongside other tools like Gong. Sign up today at www.update.ai. That's update.ai. So you have one question. So let's say you're coming in to your A round. It's really easy to say, to look externally and say, this is what you do with customers, right? Here's your onboarding plan. Here's your stages, all that kind of stuff. A little bit more difficult when you maybe don't have people in place. Like how do you work with leaders of early stage startups? Like say you're coming in and you meet with the first time head of CS and it's like, I need to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success long term here. What is, what's your start? Yeah. Um, the first thing that I do is I really, I ask them to dig deep on how it is that they're going to be delivering value for their customers. Um, and I found that that's something that isn't as consistently centered in customer success as it should be. And I think this last like, year and a half, two years, we've really had this reckoning where this has been something that we've started to um, see we need to focus on more. It's like, what does your solution do to provide tangible value for your customers? And how how do those uh, how does the value that that drive uh, how does that tie back to the numbers that matter to them internally? So like, what am I doing that then helps you and drives the numbers? that your executives are going to be looking at and saying, these are the things that matter to me. So I really have us dig down on what that is. And then I figure out, okay, so what sort of function should exist? What sort of role should exist that can deliver that? So what are the touch points that need to exist for that? What are the jobs that need to be done to be able to achieve that? And then what are the check-ins that need to be done with the customer regularly to be able to do that? And then from there, once you've sort of scoped out what a role should look like, then it's great. Now we know what you need to do and what this role needs to look like. Let's figure out what it takes to take someone who has no knowledge or very little knowledge and give them the skills they need to be able to do those check-ins and to deliver that value for a customer in that specific way. And what I've noticed is that in the past, there's been really an over-reliance on, especially in, in specified SaaS, is this like, we just need somebody who knows everything about this industry. And they'll bring in some like industry expert who has like no clue how to actually do customer success or how to deliver value, but they can speak in the same language uh, as a customer. And that gets you only so far. It gets great to a customer because they're like, oh, this person knows exactly what I need, but they don't know what they can actually deliver or how to deliver it. And so I try and focus on what is the proper amount of knowledge you need to have about the industry in addition to what is the knowledge you need to have about your job uh, and about the different roles in your job and, and about how to be able to work with these other teams. And so I'll go in and I'll build out, you know, I'll work with you to build out 
not only what the role should look like and how you deliver that knowledge or that value, but like what is what sort of courses need to exist to be able to deliver that knowledge? What sort of onboarding or what sort of boot camp do you need to get there? What should your continuing education look like? And once you get once you sort of move up the rung and you're looking at companies that are series C and series D, that's when you can start to look at, well, how do we actually map out what somebody's career path could look like? And we can benchmark, you know, oh, they need to know all of these different discrete pieces of information. They also need to know how to do these different things. How do we measure that? So how do we build out assessments that will measure that objectively? And then how do we bridge that gap? How do we give them the knowledge they need to go from where they are to where they need to be to be able to move up in roles? And for me, that's really important because that allows employees to be empowered and actually say, look, I've taken these courses. I've done this. I want to be promoted to this next level or I want to go into this next level. They can take that and have that conversation with their manager, and you know, especially during reviews, and really be able to say, I've done the work. I know what it takes to go to the next level and I can get there instead of a lot of times what we see, which is like sort of an arbitrary, like, well, we do have the headcount this quarter or like I've seen you do X, Y, and Z, and because I've seen you do X, Y, and Z, I know that that's what we need. I want to give people the ability and empower them to be able to understand what it takes to be able to get to that next level and work to get them there themselves. So, Eric, let me let me ask a question. So, obviously, you, yeah. you've done a great job of articulating the value of the work that you do. So, what's the objective that you face, mm-hmm. and why doesn't every company have either customer success enablement deployed, or why aren't they working with you? I think the the hardest thing is that you I've I've noticed that there are sort of two challenges. One is that CS managers are often like, this is probably part of what we should be doing. So uh, why do we want to bring somebody in from the outside to do it? And a lot of times there's this concern that CS managers aren't offering up value. And what I always push back on is I say, yeah, but what else are you doing? You're, you've got a million other things going on. Do you ever really have time to sit down and take that, you know, take that 30,000 uh, foot view and say, here's what onboarding should look like. Here's what it should look like for you to be able to upskill yourself. Um, and here's what it should look like for, or here's what it, here's what it will look like when somebody starts on day one. Here's what they will look like at, you know, week two, week four, week six. Here's what the mentorship program looks like. Here's what courses they're going to need to be taking. Here's what it'll look like for them to get from an L1 to an L2 or to go from a, uh, an entry level to a senior, a senior to a strategic. You don't have the time or bandwidth to do that. You need somebody to come in and be able to take that view. So that's the one of the reasons why you see a lot of pushback is that managers just feel as though it's something they should be doing. Sometimes their managers think it's something they should be doing. But I think the other thing is, for a long time, the way that we've thought about customer success is we've just brought smart people in and we've said, you can kind of figure it out. <laughs> you know, we do a little bit of assessing in the interview, but we're like, you'll figure And everyone's laughing because like all of us have been there. And we've even probably hired people uh, that were like, you're smart, you can figure it out. And that's just not, that doesn't work and it doesn't scale. You know, the first hire or the second hire or the first few hires or like some random hire that you make, the 10th or 15th hire, that will work. You'll bring in someone who's like a former consultant who's changing careers and they have this incredible, like this incredible ability to do discovery with their customers. And so they know how to do it from day one and they can figure, and, and they're great at building relationships and they know exactly what they need to do to be able to succeed or they have these skills from previous roles that they're able to transfer. But a lot of times, you're just taking someone really smart, you're plugging them in, and they have some level of knowledge that you think they need to have, 
and they don't know what the role is or what they really need to be doing, and they just sort of flail. And you don't really know why they're flailing, but it seems like uh, the more that you try and intervene, especially as it gets later on, the worse it gets, because now you're giving them new responsibilities, and you're telling them to go take this class, and you're telling them to go read this book, and that's stressing them out even more until you get you see that they just get burnt out and exhausted, and they fail in this role. And because we've focused for so long on just hiring smart instead of assessing during the hiring process in the way that we need to, really identifying what you need to do in the role, and then giving you the tools you need to actually be able to do that role from day one, we've seen this mass failure across the or you know, across customer success. And we and so many of these organizations, they need enablement. They just don't seem to realize that enablement is the solution to this ongoing customer success wide problem. But when you're working as an outside consultant, this isn't a but. I shouldn't have started it with but. Um, you're obviously you're not part of the organization. You don't know the industry. So when you're coming in as a consultant, what does your learning curve look like, right? Because how much of this are you trying to figure out on your own before you're going to deploy or tell somebody how to do their job? I'm a big uh, proponent of doing an extensive amount of discovery up front. So I spend the first you know, two weeks, depending on how complex the uh, engagement is going to be, up to four weeks, just digging in all their documents and engaging with individual, anywhere, you know, ICs all the way up to directors to really understand what it is that we're currently seeing and what the struggles are. I don't pretend like I'm the expert on any, uh, on any of these industries. I'm the expert on enablement. Uh, you know, it's the same way that when you're talking about CSMs, you're like, you're the expert on your solution. You're not necessarily the expert on their company. So I don't try and be the expert on, you know, everything about your industry, but I am going to come in and I'm going to actually ask a lot of questions, sit down, really dig through everything, come up with a framework that's going to work make sure that I run it past the appropriate people so they can say, like, this is something that's missing or this is something we need. This is a problem we didn't even know we had. Um, and then go from there. So I, I don't try and jump in from day one and say, like, I already know what the problem is and I'm going to tell you. I might have a pretty strong sense, but I do want to actually take the time to get to know you. And that's why it's a bespoke approach. That's why I can't just, like, hand you a guide and tell you, go do these exact things. Right, because then you'd be doing exactly what they probably did initially to probably onboard did, these did, individuals, exactly. right? So then it's just more yeah. of the same. And customer success is, it's not like sales where, you know, I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that all sales is the same, but it's sort of agreed upon it's which fine. sales were, well, but it's, it's agreed upon across the industry, like which sales roles exist, you know, what you do in those sales roles. They're defined. You got a BDR, you got an AE, yeah. you got a. There's three or four defined methodologies for sales. We don't have that for customer success. We don't have like, here's exactly what this role does. Here's the methodology on how to do this. We, we're trying, we're working on it, but we don't have the, like, yeah, we don't have the, this is what the post-sale journey is always going to look like. We definitely can tell you this is what the sales journey is always going to look like uh, at every organization. Um, you know, it's going to fall into one of three or five cap, you know, uh, buckets, but that's not the case with customer success. So you do still have to take that more hands-on bespoke approach. And there's certain things you can keep in mind and questions you can ask. They're going to go across every CS organization, but it's not as easy as just, here's a guide, go do it. Yeah. This is something that we've talked about with a lot of our guests really is kind of like the state of the customer success industry. And it does feel like uh, parts of it are flailing. Uh, I think people are trying to figure out revenue models. I think people are trying to figure out 
should be charged? Should they be consultants? Are they revenue drivers? Are they you know, cost centers? Things like that, right? A lot of trying to understand what the best approach for CSMs is. And I think the problem that I'm seeing is there isn't one size fits all, or should there be? Um, almost like when you have somebody who's really good at selling B2B, or they may not be the best at selling B2C, you know, and they may, people that sell really good in mid-market may not be able to crush an enterprise. It's a different level of specificity. And I think we have enterprise CSMs, we have principal CSMs, and we have all these other things that actually aren't segmented in the same way that our sales folks are, right? It's just kind of arbitrary and there is no kind of standard and i would love to see more more folks like you that are kind of talking through like what what are like where are all of the different segments like how do we actually standardize these things where have your csm that is what what do they call it full stack csm now right where you come in at an a rate you know a a stage and you do everything from renewals to product training to adoption to the late stage that you're talking about like B, C, D round funding where you're into specialization. And then how do you segment from that? So I'm backing myself into a question here. Um, <laughs> when, you're bring, when you're brought on to set the tempo of the CS org from an A or a C stage, right? How, how does that differ for you, the experience of that, to going to a company that has 50 or 60 CSMs or whatever number you want to come up with, right? That um, you're, you're, you need to learn how to train people net new. And then you also need to come into an organization that maybe has been failing. And how do you how do you unlearn so that they can learn, right? Yeah, it's a completely different experience. Because when you're going into that big organization, there already has been there have been a bunch of attempts at training and there's all sorts of knowledge that's buried everywhere, but it's of course not centralized. Um, and it's not easy to digest for anybody. So you're going, okay, have they tried this before? Is this something that's already gonna fail? Because they all have in their minds yeah, we did this this one time, it didn't work, everyone's got this negative outlook. So that's when you're really starting to think about different personalities, what's actually gone on in the past, what you already have that you can draw off of, and how you can take all of that and turn it into something a little bit more comprehensive and really focus on upskilling the existing folks in addition to building out this new hire program. When it comes to the seed, the seed and the A, I won't say that's easier, it's just a very different set of problems. Um, you're really thinking about what is this role even going to look like? How are they going to do it? What are they going to need to be successful? Um, what is the future of this role look like? You know, we're, we're hiring somebody full stack right now, but yeah. is that person going to be, is that what we want the role to look like moving forward? I always set the expectation. This is not what this role should look like moving forward. You're going to have somebody that's going to come in where their job is going to be literally doing anything a customer wants. Uh, it's true. I mean, like, yeah, you put it is true. In, yeah. in, in like seed or series A, and like, they're just the customer person. They're the catch-all customer person. A customer says, jump, you go how high? A customer, you know, a customer says, I need these numbers. You're like, great, I got to work with the engineering team, but I can get them for you. And then you have to actually learn how to set healthy boundaries as the organization grows and set what the CS is actually going to do. So you're thinking about, what is this person going to do now? But also, when we have five people, what are they going to do? Because what you're doing right now is not replicable. You know, and you can do it knowing that the person you're bringing in is somebody who is a superstar or somebody who is like switching industries and will literally do anything to make this successful. And their expectation is that they're going to be the first manager of the team, maybe the first director of the team, maybe the first VP of the team, because they want to get early stage equity. They really want to be somebody, uh, they want to make a name for themselves in the industry. But that's, Again, that doesn't work in Series B. That doesn't work in Series C. That doesn't work in Series D. So while we're looking at what you need to know now and how we can put that together, you're thinking about 
okay, but what's it going to need to look like in the future? You know, what's it going to need to look like when you get to a Series B? And what is the role actually going to look like? And is this role going to be two roles or three roles? Are we going to split these up so that we can really make sure that we've turned this into a job that somebody can reasonably do and reasonably tr be trained on, as opposed to, you know, like when I first started at Zenefits and they were like, oh, we don't have product managers. Uh, and if you want to be able to be an implementation manager, you're also doing everything a customer success manager would do. We just didn't call it that then. And if you want to get information, you go sit with the engineers and you ask them to walk you through the product to the point where there would be features that sales would sell that we didn't even know about that had special links to get to them that the engineers would have to spend like four hours explaining to me. That doesn't work when you get to Series B. That doesn't work when you get to Series C. That never scales. So figuring out how you're going to be able to deliver that type of knowledge or set the expectations that a customer might not be getting that type of treatment moving forward is important, even as you're still thinking about, well, how do we even get to be trained right now in this role? But Eric, do you feel like there's any, like, I understand the idea to want to kind of foreshadow what the future might look like as companies evolve, but the yeah. reality of it is, and you're going to hear me say this all the time, is it does depend. And as that evolution goes oh, yeah. on, it's not a standard to say that it is linear in the put sense. That on a hat, I, I, I put it on a hat. It's on my website. You can go to christyfaltruso.com. Go check it out. It's, in the, <laughs> it's under merch. Um, no, but then it's true, right? Like you're going to see an evolution. It's going to look different in every organization. I've been at companies that have, you know, I came in at a, a, a Hundred, you know, uh, we started off with like a hundred people in the organization. I exited, and we had five hundred people in the organization. I came into different stages of funding and different rounds and maturation. But the the market, the product, our customers, all of these things impacted what the CS role did and didn't do. And so I feel like it's difficult to foreshadow what the future might look like and just say it's isolated by an evolution determined by the stage of the company, right? Because there's so many other factors at play here. And so yes, I think it's fine to say that the CS role. You know, you're not going to have a catch-all CSM when you get to a Series D or later stage. But I think yeah. it's hard to say with certainty other things will absolute will be absolute, right? Right. And you're never saying that this is exactly what the role is going to look like in a Series C when you're talking to somebody at a seed stage. But if you're talking to somebody in a Series A and you're saying, hey, just so you know, as you start to scale and hire, this is what we should be thinking about for this role. That's not saying exactly this is what it's going to be doing but this is what we should be thinking about what we should be doing. Then that's, I think, very different. Uh, and you do want to start thinking about, well, how can we start to pare down this role so it is something reasonable when we're making hires in the future? Uh, because you just don't have, it's not sustainable to do that catch-all role. So I wouldn't, I would never say that you should have exactly what the role should look like in Series B, in Series C, but say, we need to consider what, what roles, you know, which responsibilities should exist within this role when we're hiring for it as we start to scale, as opposed to now when it's like you, the first hire, the second hire, the third hire, just doing everything and can sit with product and do all of that. Well, and, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but one of the things that I've seen as a thread through this entire conversation, and then this, this is going to be the last questions. I know we've, we've taken up a, a good portion of your time today. Sure. Um, but um, it's it sounds like instead of saying, I'm going to give you um, like a template that you follow for every stage. It is more, I want to instill in the companies that I work at, um, like a, a culture of empowerment for my individual contributors that doesn't exist right now in CS. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. Okay. It's so no, at that point with that, if that culture is built from a head of that is their first person and they're not only setting process, but they're also keeping an eye on the fact that I'm going to hire the next 10 people over the next three or four years. I need to make sure every single one of those people understand the culture that we're building here and that 
you know, we'll train you on X, Y, and Z. We expect you to know A, B, and C, um, but we're going to continually make sure that we're upscaling and upskilling our individual yeah. contributors, which is the hardest thing because CSMs are so busy. We're just building the plane as it flies, right? We're like exactly. the Challenger shuttle. That was <laughs> so sad. The best Ooh, quote, yeah. the best quote of a of a of a startup rocket ship I've ever seen. Uh, it's unfortunately so, okay. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In closing, um, what uh, what do you do? Uh, you're a solopreneur. You yep. are your own. You run your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, you also are um, uh, an investor with. CS Angel, uh, Christy, are, I believe you're a part of that as that well. Is is that is correct. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I'm the chief how do author, you, actually. <laughs> how do you stay up when you as an individual person are trying to run this business, right? We live in a society that is always telling people to do more and everything into a side hustle. You have done that. You are you know, supporting yourself with this job. How do you keep yourself motivated? How do you fight the blue? I'm trying to think who it was that I met with. It might have been Donna Weber. And I love Donna. Yeah, I think one thing she told me, which was really good advice, is uh, never get too high and never get too low. Um, highs are always high, but the lows can be very low. And so try and keep all of that in perspective that when you have these lows, you're going to have these highs. So if I'm really speaking to the seasonal affective disorder, um, it's, it's that. And then it's really making sure that you have plotted out what your days and your time are going to look like. It's very easy to, when you're running your own business, um, to just sort of let the day get away from you or like let one task linger and take much longer than it needs to take. Um, Really think about what your week is going to look like and schedule it in the way that you would just if you had a day-to-day job. Um, Don't allow yourself to drift for days or for weeks. Really focus on creating that structure and then know that there is down what you might consider downtime that is still part of your working hours. When you are reading about customer success, when you are sometimes when you are surfing LinkedIn uh, and, and when you're making these connections, when you're doing this networking, you are still working. That is uh, important to your growth, uh, to your personal development, and to your ability to uh, to really be able to make your business thrive. Um, so know that you're spending a lot of time investing in yourself that is also work. But make sure that the time that you're spending is, I won't say that the time is productive because I think there's sort of like a cult of productivity, but that the, the time that you're spending is, uh, is, is intentional. I'm spending a lot of my productivity time making sure that I get through um, Adam Secretary for the third time uh, <laughs> on, on Netflix. Um, so love that. I love that for you, John. The Office. You know, you watch it three or four times. Why not? Yeah, Mickey, you uh, didn't say anything again this time. So, what do you got for us? Well, it's yeah. because you filled the time. I, I didn't want to say Welcome. it, Mickey, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad someone said it. it had to be said. Are we hating on me? Yeah, I, I thought they were great questions. I thought they were Listen, great questions. Were the fine. unwritten rule is questions. whoever the host is, it has to be the butt of the joke. It's That's agreed. Just the rule. It's agreed. I'm I'm here for it. I'll take yeah. it. No, so Eric, I was uh, you know, when I'm not talking, I'm thinking, which is why I should talk less and listen more. Hmm. And what I kind of realize is what you're describing is like evolution, where like we went through like CSMs were born out of the need that the the ecosystem had. We needed somebody in that role. 
and you're right. We did all the things that worked, like hiring smart people, just throwing money at the problem, throwing people at the problem. And then when things got tough, when there wasn't as much resources to go around, now people are having to reckon with what what actually matters. So just like, you know, as species evolve, like birds, we'll use birds as the birds as the example. Some fly, some don't. Some fly really fast, some fly really far, some are big, some are small. They evolve the traits that lead to their survival. So what I think you're doing is you're stepping into a role that the that the ecosystem needs to help them survive and to grow. So, you know, they say that that growth is not linear. I think we did this big curve and then we're regressing a little bit. And now I think we're going to go even higher thanks to people like you. Um, And for those that are interested in like the science behind this, go read Adam Grant's Hidden Potential. It is a really, really good book. And he talks about this a lot. Um, But Eric, Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, after where can we, we find you? If yeah, where can we learn find more you? from you? Where can we find you? Um, you can find me at retain.solutions. So it's, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll I add that to the show notes possible. as well. Um, LinkedIn, if people... LinkedIn. Yeah, Eric Kingsbury on LinkedIn. What's your home address? Social security, Social security. number. Mother, What's your mother's maiden name? Maiden yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been Okay, the joke's not funny anymore. Mickey, stop. Jeez. Even though Christy and Mickey are bitter that I talked the whole time. Um, I had you. a really good time talking to you, Eric. I love you too, uh, please come back. Please come back. Please let us back. know how it goes. Tell we your friends that, that it was great. So. Eric, we'll call you. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> I'll have, we'll have Daniela reach out. We'll have our um, people call your people. Do we yeah, have people? Thanks again, Eric. I, this okay. is, we do now. Yeah. I'm trying to say goodbye, guys. Okay, come on. Sorry. sorry. Eric, we love you. All this right, and ladies great. and gentlemen, it has been so great. It didn't work. I tried to hit the end button. I tried to do a Josh. Hold on. Hey guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.